Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast, your weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host, Carson Tamar. We have no guests today, but of course we have the other hosts, the iconic Alina Falds and the somewhat okay Paul Price. How's everyone doing today? I was about to say Alina and I are about to move out, so that'll be fun. Um, of the podcast? Of our, yeah. Out of our respective homes and out of the podcast and out of your out of our lives. <laughs> um, also, happy Ramadan. Well, yeah. And we have a lot to talk about this week. And I think there's no better place to start than ripping off the Band-Aid and getting into Morbius. Jared Leto's new film in the Sony universe. I don't know what it's called. I think it's like SSU. The Sony, the Sony Spider-Man universe. That's what it is. Which I'll start here. Because here's the thing. I know there's a meme. I like Jared Leto, which I do overall. I'm sorry, everyone. But I've also liked this universe. I liked Venom. And I liked Venom 2. I think I'm the only one on this podcast who liked Venom 2. So going into Morbius, everyone was turning it into a meme. And I was just like, I know I'm going to like this. I just know I am. And I watched it. And guess what, everyone? I liked it. One of the only like 16% on Rotten Tomatoes who gave it a positive <laughs> score. Iconic. They were the ones who chose to approve me. So it's really on them here. But I think this film, very similar to Venom 2, is just fun. Is it the deepest thing? No, though there are surprisingly good emotions here when you look at the friendship that he shares and like he has to kind of analyze like, what am I doing? Is this the right sacrifice I'm making? Because he either has to let his friend go kill people or he has to stop his friend. And it was like emotional. But more than anything, like the action is dumb fun. The amount of CGI as their like auras are all, are, are all around them. It's like with Venom when like the guys pop out of the monsters. Like I think we're at this weird time and not to be super negative, but where like number one, everyone turned this into a meme and decided they were going to hate it before they saw it. But number two, like we're at this time where people just can't have fun. And I'm not saying everyone needs to love Morbius, but like the vast majority of people go and they're like, oh, this is not Nomadland. This is not The Father. This is not Promising Young Woman or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not, but it's fun. I'm at this point where like, if film Twitter existed in the 80s or 90s, no film that we consider a classic would be liked. It would all be rotten. Um, I don't know, Alina, I'm curious your thoughts. I didn't expect you to like it, but I'm hopeful. Did you also feel this way about Morbius? Um, I definitely liked it a lot more than all the people who are turning it into memes, but I definitely don't like it as much as you. Um, I feel like I have the same issues with Morbius as I do with Venom 2. Um, like, the plot is just very convoluted for what is a relatively short movie, and then the ending is very abrupt, and, like, I was not expecting this movie to end when it did. It just, like, all of a sudden... Like something where we were not going to talk about spoilers, I don't think. But all of a sudden something happens and then it like cut to black and it's like, like Morbius and then the credits. I was like, oh, we're done already? Okay. Um, I don't know. Overall, like I thought Jared Leto did fine in his like role of Dr. Michael Morbius. But I also kind of feel like he takes certain roles a bit too seriously and I think like that's the same case in this like I was kind of expecting him to be just a tiny bit more campier kind of like how Tom Hardy is with Venom like I kind of wanted him to have a bit more fun with the role I felt like he took it too seriously for like 
the wider context of this like Sony Spider-Man universe. But like that's fine. He's playing like this dark like vampire character I get where he was going for where where he was going for with that. Um I liked uh the friendship he his character had with uh Matt Smith. Like they're their childhood besties and they both have like that blood disease or whatever and they like grow up and they're just besties and I thought that was really cute. I don't like the whole trope of childhood best friends turning on each other though. I like it was definitely like inevitable in this movie because who else would be the villain? But I was just like, okay, they could have stayed friends. Come on. Um, I really liked Matt Smith in this. He kind of like stole the show for me. Um, especially that like random dance scene in a hotel that they just like kept they were just letting him go there was like no cuts or nothing they were just letting rats with vibe in that hotel room i was like this is hilarious and fun um i think they even cut the music at one point and he's just dancing silently in this like horror like this amazing it's also horrible vampire makeup i mean it's so good like cinema (laughs) yeah um i don't i i i liked like him and jared leto together but i feel like it didn't like matt smith's character itself i feel like his like whole thing about turning evil was a bit too like predictable and basic like but at the same time if morbius healed himself obviously his friend matt smith milo wants to heal himself also like come on jared leto just take one for the team and you guys can be vampires together right um, and then I feel like the last thing we need to touch on before we get like into the proper discussion is the romantic subplot with Martine did not work for me at all. I was like, and every time he said Martine, I was like, I can't change this girl's name. <laughs> I didn't Some realize like there was romantic chemistry. Very similar to Batman, right. actually. But at least in this movie, she was not an open lesbian like in Batman. Here, like, <laughs> I just did not think they were together because they kind of mention it, but I was like, oh no, that's not really what's happening. And then they kiss, similar to Batman, on a rooftop, just a random kiss. And I was like, oh, we're doing that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was more like she respected Morbius as like a scientific mind and a doctor. And that's why she was going to help him on, like, the boat in international waters to find the, like, cure that, like, royally fucks up everything. Um, but no, she had a crush on him this whole time. And I was like, okay. Okay. I thought the makeup was fine. Did you like the effects? Or was that too much for you? It kind of freaked me out. Um, I thought they were – I thought, like, the, the like, vampire faces were good and, like, how those switched. But you know how whenever they're kind of, like – flying or like running through the air and there's like all those like effects to show like the echolocation or whatever i didn't like those those felt like unnecessary and dumb got it yeah see i think you're i think it's interesting that you mentioned well first let's just touch on my opinions on leto because i know there's a meme and i don't want anyone to think like i'm sold to the meme i hated the little things but like I was really surprised by how much charisma I thought he brought to this role. But like you said, I think with everything in this film that I find boring or negative, I just wish it committed to just being pure fun like Venom 2. That's my favorite Mm -hmm. part about Venom 2. It's 90 minutes and it knows exactly what it's doing for that entire 90 minutes. Here there's a very clear like 20 minutes that's just like doesn't really work. That is too serious. That's a little bit boring. Um, 
But I thought Jared Leto, and I like can't say this because it is also a meme, but like I thought he was great here. But anytime, yes, I think he was born or boring. It was just because he was trying a little bit too hard. I like hope that they go more into the Venom 2 area to where you just get 90 minute purely fun films. Because even though I think the emotion overall works here, I definitely would have rather it been 80 to 90 minutes of just fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, just especially within like the, like I said earlier, within the wider context of the Sony universe, you think that like Jared Leto would consider that also. Um, because he knows how to have fun right? We all saw House of Gucci. So like, I don't understand why he took uh, Morbius so seriously. Well, I'm a little worried that the filmmakers don't know, or whoever, I guess I shouldn't say filmmakers, but considering the end credit scene, I'm a little bit worried that they're not on the same direction that I am. (laughs) Let's Um, talk about the end credit scene. We're not going to spoil the film, but we'll spoil the end credits. I think that's what we should do. That's fair. Spoilers for end credits. Mm -hmm. Also, you know exactly what's happening in the film, but end credits. Spoilers for the end credits. You do get um, Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming, like, flashing to this world. For some reason, I don't understand the No Way Home stuff still. I have no idea how he got there, but he did. Um, He's set free because he's not a prisoner in this world. He's just nobody, so they can't really hold him. And then he's building the Sinister Six, I think is what they're called. I don't know who they are, but all these good guys that are really fun that we like apparently are going to become bad guys and then fight probably Andrew Garfield. Mm -hmm. Great. I think so. And then also there's a second mid credits where Vulture and Morbius meet each other and Vulture's like, I don't remember what he says, but he's like, we should be a team or something. And Morbius is like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why would Morbius say yes? <laughs> I feel <even>? like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you don't know this guy. He's obviously quite creepy. He's flying in with his like whole like vulture outfit. And Morbius is like, yeah, this is dope. I'm just like, okay. Um, I kind of wish Paul was here for this part of the conversation because I feel like he would hit us with some like comic book lore that we don't know about because uh, we're not fucking nerds. <laughs> Lord knows he also just like has um, seen I, the next film probably by now because he's seen every fucking comic book film that knows what happens. So like he'd be like, yeah, in 2028, exactly. you're going to see Venom 3. I saw a screening last night and it all comes together, you know, like. <laughs> knows um, what you would do. anyway i just kind of feel like the end credit not they're not even end credits there's no end credits there's just two mid credit scenes i feel like the mid credits kind of like ruined parts of the movie for me like i feel like i had morbius at like around a three star and then as soon as the end the mid credits happened i was like no this is fucking dumb why did i sit through this for that no and then I lowered it to a two in my brain. <laughs> um, to be fair, I, I also know. thought that way like, at the end of Venom when our boy, I forget, blanking on his name, shows up in the clown wig at the end of Venom and it looks horrible. I was like, oh, Venom 2 is oh going to yeah. But it held true. <laughs> I hope they just let Sony, I'm really worried, like, looking at the end credit scene with this and everything, because I feel like they added that last minute. I'm really worried Marvel mm-hmm. doesn't try to turn this into Marvel because now they're more involved and you have some direct correlation to the MCU. Let this just be dumb fun. It's all I, like, I just like after eternal Shang-Chi and not to shit on these films, but like if there's one word I would say they're the opposite of it's fun. Just let these be fun. Please don't turn it into MCU comedy and like building and stuff. I don't want that. 
Um, I was also, I don't know if there, like, are hints throughout the movie, but I was expecting, like, something that would tie it more to Venom. Because, like, both mid-credits yeah. were the Vulture. And I was like, where's Venom? Because I know he's back in his universe, right? We see that at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Tom Hardy yes. and Venom are back. So what is he doing? Well, they mentioned that they kind of hint that something happened in San Francisco. They're like, oh, not another San Francisco. But that's it? Yeah. But also, I don't like, really I get it more. because, like... In Venom, the only reason, like, Venom is literally an alien. So we really don't mm-hmm. think superhero. Well, I guess, but Spider-Man exists. So I guess there are superheroes in this world. I really don't know. <laughs> I also don't really know the lore of these characters comic book wise. So I guess I'm kind of unqualified to speak on this. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really confused about how Spider-Man is going to play into all of this. Because, like, everyone just assumes it's going to be Andrew Garfield's. But it's just weird that we haven't, like, seen spider-man yet at all i thought we were gonna get that at the end credit of this i thought for sure yeah i thought we were gonna like see spider-man or and or venom like because we all knew vulture was coming also the director spoiled so much of this movie on twitter before it even came out oh yeah even in the trailer they had the mid credit with him getting out of the car vulture so like I don't know. I that's why I'm like I'm worried that they're now trying to turn in that direction like Marvel's doing where it's like look at all these characters, look at Spider-Man, look at all this, but like I don't know, I just want Venom 2, y'all. I don't want <laughs> sorry. That. I want like, a Venom 3. I want Tom Hardy to write the entire script of Venom yes. 3 and I want Morbius to be slightly more fun. Like I feel like this Agreed. was a fine origin story. It's a bit dumb at points. I was a bit confused at points, but like it's fine. It's good enough for a setup and i'm just like i'm worried about the path that sony is taking us down like I cannot come on guys more. i can't i can't do this anymore i'm almost 25 <laughs> yeah i could not agree more i'm also just beyond curious if we do get andrew garfield or anyone as spider-man that we know what the reaction online is going to be because universally these movies are hated online but like they like crossover stuff and they like Andrew. So are they going to love those films? I don't know. I'm curious, but I am scared. <laughs> I'm terrified. Well, on that note, let's head over to Netflix because we did get a new Richard Linklater film. I think this is our first time talking about any of his works on the podcast. We got Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. Alina, why don't you introduce the film and your thoughts on it? Sure. Okay. So this uh, Apollo 10 and a half, I didn't know it was coming out until Carson was like, hey, do we want to do this on the podcast? And I was like, Carson, I don't know what the fuck that is. And he was like, oh, it's the new Richard Linklater. I was like, oh, okay, fine. We'll do it. I kind of like him. Um, Have you seen Waking Life, by the way? I have, but I have not seen A Scanner Darkly or whatever his other animated one is. I didn't even know he had another animated one, actually. So. But I did see Waking so, yeah, Life. Yeah, I have. Okay, I've also seen Waking Life, but I saw it in my grade twelve philosophy class, and I'm almost twenty five now, so I don't remember it much. But what I a psychotic like choice! How... <laughs> I hope you kids. I know watch all the other Link later films. <laughs> it was like really weird um, choice. I don't know why we picked it. Well, I mean, my why our teacher picked it for grade 12 philosophy. All of a sudden, he was just like, yeah, we're watching Waking Life. It's like a masterpiece. And I was just sitting there at 17. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Ethan Hawke 
is like animated and talking about life and I'm 17 and I'm an idiot and I don't understand what's happening. I feel like maybe I'd like it better if I revisited it. But I did like like the rotoscope animation. So it was cool to see him use that again in Apollo 10 and a half. I assume he also uses it for that other one you mentioned, right? I believe so. Again, I've not seen it, but I think so. Probably. Um, Anyway, because like that's not something that you see very much anymore. And like, yeah, I think some of the uh, gods really liked... used it. I don't know if you saw that, but like, oh, it's very yeah, rare you're right. to mention. Yeah, me. yeah, you're right. I forgot about some of the gods, but yeah, um, I liked the the rotoscope animation a lot. Um, all the characters looked good. I really liked their little house and whatever. Um, there's so much Jack Black narration in this. He plays like the older version of the main character and i really actually liked his anime his uh, narration throughout the film more so for the parts where the main character is like at home with his like siblings um and they're going to like that amusement park and they're going to the ice cream shop and they're playing red rover and all these things i liked all of those parts of the film but then there's like this other like half of the movie where like the NASA scientists, I guess, made, like, something on the spaceship too small or something. So, like, a child has to be an astronaut and it's the main character. And I was just, like, those points lost me. I don't know why. I just didn't connect with, like, that aspect of it at all. But I really liked the nostalgia trip, even though I am too young to appreciate all of that nostalgia. But I don't know. Like, there was parts of it that worked for me. There were parts that didn't. I know, Doug. <laughs> Doug agrees. Like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'm funny. I'm interested because I, or I'm, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. I'm surprised, I guess, because that's how I feel. But I did not expect you to feel that way because I feel like most people hate the growing up stuff, but like the moon stuff. But I agree with you. I love oh, really? the animation, and there was something. I might be wrong about that, but I found mm-hmm. there to be something really like seductively charming and nostalgic about all this stuff, like growing up and you have family, and there's really palpable moments like going to Astral World on the day that they arrive, and then kind of the word of mouth spreading. I really loved all that growing up stuff. But then, as you mentioned, there's this very weird plot and how they narratively handle it towards the third act. I was lost. I really didn't know what was happening because they cut between him on the day of the actual Apollo 11 and then him doing his little mission. But they try to make it seem like he's doing it while he's also watching it. And I was like, did this happen? Is this a dream? Like, what is going on? And I felt like it lost I was confused also. I just didn't. I was so confused, but like when it comes to just him and like his sisters hang out and they're prank calling and like you get this beautiful portrait of this life before technology and phones and everything. And it was just like, it's beautiful. I was so charmed by this that I was never bored until you get to that third act. And I think that third act mm-hmm. and that kind of weird twist really does hurt it. But I don't know. I don't know what it was. Linklater is one of those filmmakers who like, I think is very hit or miss and he has some good films outside of this, but when it comes to him just capturing life, like he did in boyhood, like he's done in other films when it's him not trying to press something onto it, but when it's just him casually letting humans exist, I could watch it all day. I could genuinely probably watch a four hour. Ver- don't make this blink later. Please don't. But theoretically 
I could watch a four hour version of just a child growing up <laughs> and I probably would love it, especially through the animation. I think the animation is needed to add that kind of extra edge to make it feel special and unique and magical. Um, I, I love the narrative. I love the narration. I thought Jack Black was like incredible here. I thought this is one of his mm-hmm. best performances I've maybe seen. Um, I don't know. I it, I really appreciated this film overall until you get to that third act. I agree with you fully. I'm also, I'm well, I'm not interested. That's I'm really bad with words today. I'm happy to know that you enjoyed it considering you're not from Texas and on the outside, this feels like such a Texas American story, but that's good. Yeah. But at the same time, everybody like experienced childhood to a certain extent like that. Like, especially if you had siblings and were born in the 90s at least. Like, even if you're, like, too young to have experienced the space age, you can still, like, connect with it. The Bubble by Judd Apatow um, is almost fun. And I was enjoying myself for, like, the first 30 minutes. Basically, it's um, a parody of a big action movie being made during the pandemic. And it stars a bunch of people who used to be famous. And I don't know. I was just, I was so much into it and I was kind of digging it. And then all of a sudden it just continued. Like I literally looked at one part and I was like, okay, we're at the finale. And then it had another hour and 10 minutes left. I was not even at the halfway mark. (laughs) I was like, how did this happen? And then nothing did happen for the rest of that movie. I really feel like, uh, you know, it starts out kind of strong. And I told you guys, I think, um, I think it would have been better as like three, three or four 30 minute episodes, like definitely would have been down for that because I would have been like, yeah, I can, I can deal again. Um, But it's just not as funny as I was hoping. Uh, What do you guys think? I definitely didn't love it. Um, I don't hate the film by any means. I think like I agree with you, but I think my saving grace is that on Netflix, I used a little handy function where I could watch it at 1.25 speed. So everything moved a little (laughs) bit quicker than it would normally. And I think that helped definitely gets boring by the end. Definitely like way too long, but especially when it comes to the character work here, I did enjoy it. I thought the actors were clearly having fun and I was having fun along with them. It's nothing great. I feel way less strongly about this than I do like Morbius, for example, but I was able to have fun like in this time where like so many comedies are atrocious, like genuinely atrocious. I was like, you know, it's watchable. I would never watch it again. But for what it is, I enjoyed it. Sorry, everyone. I'm coming in with the bad opinions today, but that's me. <laughs> I was really disappointed by the bubble because I like Jed Apatow movies for the most part. And I know he often makes things a bit too long. Like funny people is, oh my God, it's so long, but it's good. Um, I was did not have high hopes with the bubble despite it being a Jed Apatow film because I'm just like, God, I don't want to hear about the pandemic and I don't want to hear about rich people talking about the pandemic. And I was just like, okay, I'll sit through this for my main man, Judd, and Leslie Mann, and Iris. And I was like, okay, I'm suffering. Uh, I, like, I feel like, like Paul said, I liked the opening. I liked the first 30 minutes. And then 
it just it's just so long and overstuffed and there's just so many characters to like keep up with and deal with and i just was not having as much fun as i wanted to have with this like i think i would rather be watching cliff b6 than actually the bubble um and also i wish that leslie mann was the main character and we didn't have karen gill in there at all like She's fine in Doctor Who, but I don't think I like her in anything else, and I don't know why, but she just has, like, no charisma here, and she's supposed to be the lead character, and every time she talked, I was just like, shut up, go back to Iris Apatow or Leslie Mann, because I don't want to hear from you, Karen Gillan, you're wasting my time, and I don't understand why you're the focus. Pedro Pascal was great in this also, and he's, like, did not get enough screen time. I thought David Duchovny was great also. You know what? I would have liked this movie if Karen Gillan wasn't in it, I think. <laughs> I'm inclined uh, to agree with your overall points on her. Other than, like, I don't know. I think she was, like, fine in cases like Gunpowder Milkshake and to where I'd be like, I think it's more of a screenplay thing there than a performance. But, like, I don't think she's impressed many places. And I don't, I agree. I don't get why she's the focus of, like, multiple films at this point it is wild to me how she's like the most successful person out of doctor who she's fine in um duel which is coming out soon i don't like the film overall but i think she's fine in that film i'll tell you what really pissed me off about this movie literally infuriated me so we're watching this fucking movie and then all of a sudden they're like oh we're gonna have our stunt coordinator on and it was fucking John Cena. That was and the now, best part. What do you mean? <laughs> because now he is fucking number one, and I don't know how I'm going to knock him off that. Like, oh, that <laughs> on your podium. Yes, I was like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, no. It was a real Andrew Garfield coming through the like circle thing, and no way home. It was like, so I was funny. like, yes, John. It was so funny because, like, he, he's, like, not actually there. He's on, like, one of those, like, iPad robot thingies. And then somebody's like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. And because he's, like, a big bodybuilder, he's like, no, I fucking didn't. I weighed the same. I did. I thought that was hilarious. It was so funny. I Like, that was a great cameo. That was the best cameo out of all of them. No. You know what's the weirdest part about this movie? Is at the end, they introduced the concept of a mockumentary style that they could have done and i was like i would have enjoyed that more like if you had done this as like oh this is the behind the scenes of what happened in a movie that like never came out during the pandemic it could have been like kind of funny yeah Um, why didn't they just make this entire thing a mockumentary i have no clue um it definitely feels like he thought about it and then was like no i'm not gonna do a mockumentary because that's old hat instead i'm gonna make the worst movie (laughs) Um, like there was the parts that I enjoyed were when they would cut to cliff beasts and it was like kind of funny. And you were like, this is like, I know the movies they're like parodying here. Um, and then all of a sudden in the last, I want to say act or so, actually it was when, uh, Karen started like pissing herself. I was like, Oh, you've lost the plot a little bit. Like this isn't like direct one-to-one like very realistic versions of movies with a little bit of camp now we're just like getting stupid and then there was like things with testicles and i was just like lasai also there's no way that vis effects would have existed for a movie that got canceled (laughs) um 
But yeah, I mean, overall, I just I I wanted this to be a little bit more fun. And I wish um, I did enjoy Pedro Pascal, who I almost always hate. Um, I also loved the friendship between the two girls and the twists in that were really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the only time where I was like, I'm enjoying myself. (laughs) Yeah, I I really Um, liked Iris Apatow in this. She was she impressed. Yeah, I, re- I the Apatow I did girls not are like- some of my favorite nepotism children, honestly. So this is my America the motion picture, is just to be clear. Some bad <laughs> Netflix so. release that this isn't that for me. I'm uh, sad that I didn't like it because I wanted to like it. Thank God we didn't record a commentary track for this. By the way, I saw a commentary track coming, but I was like, oh, maybe this would be a fun, relevant thing to do. And it would have been the most boring experience. <laughs> it would have been so long. Um, yeah, just real brutal. Um, yeah, 126 minutes. Like, this is some, like, Emperor's new uh, clothes kind of shit. <laughs> like, where you're just like, dude, you really thought this idea would last for two hours and six minutes and also the amount of post-credit scenes god there were yeah. three well, three as alina mentioned jed apatow never really knows how to cut a film he always thinks like we gotta go at least two which is strange because like definitely didn't with king of staten island or any of your other projects but that's kind of one of his staples. at least this one is not like two hours 30 minutes Look um, on the bright side, everyone. Yeah. There's always a, ha- a glass half full. This is yeah, but the see. thing is, is, with his longer movies, they're way better. Like Funny People and King of Staten Island are actually good. Sure, they are. Don't say sure to me. I've, no, I believe you. <laughs> I've. This is only the second movie of his I've seen. I've seen Trainwreck and this. Oh, I love. You've never though. seen the Forty Year Old Virgin. No. That's our next commentary track. I'm just kidding, but I love uh, that movie. Really? It's so good. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't like Steve Carell. Are you surprised? I like how um, Paul's surprised that Alina likes the Ferdy Old Virgin out of everything. I that's, love that's that fair. movie a lot. It's it's just really funny when Paul Rudd's in it. Anything with Paul Rudd just gets me. I also enjoy This Is Forty. Like when King of Burbank told us there's going to be a This Is Fifty, I was like, oh my god, the board, the before sunrisification of This Is Forty. I'm here for it. I can't wait. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, well, you'll have fun reviewing that movie alone. Uh- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Elena, speaking of films that, well, and things that you like that maybe Paul's not the biggest fan of. I think it's time that you transition us into our final Road to WrestleMania episode. We are done. It's a little strange considering WrestleMania happened, but that's okay. Why don't you introduce us to what you're doing this week? Yeah, so we're at the last stop on the Road to WrestleMania. I love that for us. Paul is rejoicing for not having to do this anymore. Um, Okay. This has been the worst. I feel like Nicole Kidman when uh, Tom Cruise (laughs) and her divorced and she like walks out and she's cheering like that's how I'm going to be after this podcast ends. (laughs) Well, you know what? Until next year, Paul. Until next year. And that's what matters. I I had fun. So the last stop is Edge. He's my favorite wrestler. I love him. I have not loved anything as long in my life as I have loved that man except for my family. So you know what? I had to end it with him. Um, And I picked 
two movies that he was in. One is from WWE Studios and one is not. The first one is called Bending the Rules. And I don't think either of you watched it because you guys hate me and you guys are not very good friends. That's no, fine. No, 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 no. It's because this entire <laughs> series we've established that you email us the week before to get the list of films and what we're doing. I texted email it to us you this week. Oh so it's God. not my fault. And also, because I also just check your letterbox, see what you've watched recently, and I see it was a bad movie. I'm like, we're doing that. And letterbox was down today. So there was no possible way. <laughs> I could have. You could have asked me because we there, there's always two movies I pick. Man, could have fucking texted. I knew me. there was it's anyway. Not that, it's not that I didn't know there was a second. It's that I didn't know what it was and I didn't want to ask. Listen, so. okay, so nobody watched also, bending, bending the, the rules, rules except for me. Well, hmm? uh, I've also got to say bending the rules apparently is not on anything. <laughs> like oh, great it, point. Paul. It has the list I of things it where it could be. I can't even. I can't even rent it. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's really odd. Uh, oh, it I actually is free on it. Pluto TV right now, but oh, that's we don't need mention. Okay, so uh, you know what? Bending the rules. It was bad, but Jessica Walter was in it, so it was good. And you guys missed out on a great time. Edge wore a Hawaiian shirt. It was a great time. We'll go to the next one. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Can't believe I missed that one. Put it on the bucket list of stuff to watch. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, like literally, I'm on my deathbed and I'm like, put on bending the rules <laughs> before I die. I gotta do it. Okay, um, the next film that you people actually managed to watch was Money Plane. I have um, like yes. known about Money Plane, but I hadn't watched it yet because I was like saving it for a good time where I could watch it with friends. And then the pandemic happened, so I was like, okay. I should. Pro- this is like finally my chance to watch this. Uh, Money this Plane. is your version of Bo Burnham's Inside, where he couldn't go on a comedy tour. You can't watch Money Plane with people. Yeah, I can't watch Money Plane with my <laughs> old roommates. It's very sad for me. Anyway, so Edge plays a guy who is like a, a gang leader of thieves or whatever. Um, and they're like going to steal a painting from a museum, and then it's not at the museum, and then some reason. Uh, the guy who plays Frasier buys like Edge's like $40,000 million debt or something and is like, I own you now. I need you to hijack the money plane. I'm like, sorry. No, 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 no. You're not just going to skip over Darius Emanuel Grouch the Third, better known as the point. Rumble. The Rubble. That's... Sorry. I thought Rumble, it was Rumble or Rebel? I can't remember. It, it's cut off on Letterboxd, so I can't see. I thought it was the Rumble. It's the Rumble. Yeah, it's the Rumble. That's so good. Um, all of yeah, the no, scenes were. I was like not paying attention to this movie at all, and then he said, "My name is Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third. And I was like, "Oh, I'm back in." <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So Frazier is the bad guy in this movie, and he buys like this debt that Edge has, and he's like. To pay off your debt, you need to hijack the money plane. I'm like, what the fuck's a money plane guy? And it's this private jet that flies over international skies, I guess. I don't fucking know. And it's a casino and it's like full of billionaires and they're all like just rich entitled assholes. Like they're human traffickers and arms dealers and cocaine dealers and all that shit. Um, and they're just having a fucked up casino in the sky. And it starts off as a normal casino. Like the first game they play is Texas Hold'em. And then it escalates 
immediately to Russian roulette and then betting on how long it takes for people to like survive a bear attack and piranhas and all this like fucking bullshit while they're also trying to hijack the money in this money plane that is a casino in the sky and it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life but I also had fun so yeah would you guys think it's the worst thing ever yes it is um cliff b6 everyone was like oh in the in film like this is the worst thing ever and I was like that looks like a masterpiece compared to money plane I'm not kidding Alina this might be the worst film I've watched on this podcast um (laughs) Not to get fully into it. I don't need to tear down money plane. Edge has done nothing to me. But every piece of this film, from the camera work to the batshit insane use of music that's just horrendous, everything in this is bad. I'm sorry, Taste of Hunger, for saying you look like you are a porno. Because there are scenes in this that make like, oh, there are porns with better lighting and better This feels like a porn parody without the porn. Yes. Very good example. I think um, somebody wrote that on Letterboxd, so I didn't come up with that original thought. I genuinely hated every single second of this. This is <laughs> one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> bored, throwing up, crying, just wishing I was never watching movies. Uh, wow. So I... Here's Paul's five-star a- review, everyone. Let's go. I am a fan of trash <laughs> cinema. And I was so excited about this movie and it was just like, it doesn't do much. I will say it's a lot, almost entirely <laughs> does not work because the edge is such a bad actor. Like every it's time they cut edge, to him, I was no like, the, he's not in too. <laughs> um, so um, just because the edge um, was uh, so bad um, as a, as a, the actor, um, and like, <laughs> I don't know. Also, we did not talk about the fact that Denise Richards just like pops up for two scenes, one scene and like an a silent role in a different scene. I was like really expecting her to be on the money plane. And they're like, no, no, Denise Richards does nothing in this movie. <laughs> She's just here to be on the poster. Um, I, yeah, this was this was real bad. And like, yeah, I wanted to like it because um, like. I'm kind of into this shit, you know, like escape room and all that kind of things. Those movies like work for me and they're kind of like campy about how the rich are terrible people. You know, I have a giant poster of society. Like I love that shit. And instead this was like, not about that. There was no like commentary. It was just like rich people are shit. Right. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. fine. I guess whatever. Um, I did like the piranha scene, actually. When you mentioned that, I was like, that was pretty funny. Because, like, they cut away to this man fully a body. And they cut away to one reaction shot, and then they're back. And he's just got his eye, like, floating around. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, I was but I just losing my mind to. at the Russian roulette part. I just, like, I had a lot of fun with this. I was texting one of my friends that had already seen this. So I feel like her reactions to, like, stuff she already knew that was going to happen and like me reacting to it like elevated the moment for me um but yeah i love edge but he's not the greatest out of all the wrestlers turned actors we picked i've heard he's really good on vikings but i haven't gotten to the seasons he's on yet because i stopped watching when ragnar died this was really painful for me because he was one of my favorite spoilers 
that's the thing. Yeah. It's part of history. It's in the Viking sagas. Ragnar dies. Everybody knew. But I was still sad. If you just spoil was... the Northman for me, I'm going to be pissed, Alina. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to a history class one time, Carson. Sorry. Um, I heard he's very good in Vikings. But uh, after watching three movies that he was in this week, I'm really glad that he's made it back into wrestling. Peace and love to Edge. Speaking of edge wrestling, the match I picked this week um, is literally my favorite match of all time. I've watched this at least 20 times. This is the match that I go to like the most when I'm showing people wrestling. So like I had to pick it. Um, It's Edge versus Mick Foley at WrestleMania 22 in a hardcore match. It's probably the most violent. It's definitely the most violent match we picked. Wait, one quick thing back to um, Money Plane. Speaking of, I heard McFoley, but I heard it as one word, like McFoley. And then I forgot to mention, the guy's name that they give as his like fake name is McGilligutty, which, <laughs> if you don't know, is uh, Lucille, uh, Lucille Ball's like fake name in I Love Lucy. And I was dying. I was like, what kind of like, <laughs> we're watching Money money plane of all movies and it's like a big i love lucy fan (laughs) it's like you know what i'm gonna hide this i'm gonna hide this for the you know huge demographic of people watching money plane and also people very well (laughs) aware of i love lucy that's hilarious it did what i'm saying is i am the circle (laughs) anyway back to mcfoley okay um so, yeah, Edge versus McFoley at WrestleMania 22 in a hardcore match. This is my favorite match ever. I've watched it billions of times. I watched it again this morning. I know everything that happens in this match. It's iconic. It's amazing. It's the most violent match I picked for this series. Um, And I think it's the most violent match at WrestleMania. Uh, I admire it a lot because I feel like it was the match that helped cement Edge into, like, the main event card, um, like, finally, as he deserves. And I also think it finally gave McFoley his big WrestleMania moment because, like, there's so much carnage and destruction. We'll talk about it. What do you, you think, Carson? Because I feel like this is very Saw adjacent, so I think you would like this one. Yeah, there's definitely some Saw in this. Um I, which, to be clear, I do not like because of the blood and guts I like because it's just, like, funny. But uh, with this world-building, Paul, not with the... It's just it's camp, okay? Just watch all the saw. I would recommend it. Anyway, that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about wrestling. Um, there's no match, I would say, like, that we've watched so far that I would be like, oh, that's badass. But this really was, specifically just because Edge and Lita are hot, is giving me, like, Machine Gun Kelly like relationship like just hot weird outfits <laughs> hot it's sexy i'm sorry edge and lita i'm just gonna say it we're sexy when they all come out say. of the smoke i was yeah. like oh my <laughs> god <laughs> the only word i can use to describe is sexy and then you get this mm-hmm. like sad fat old man and then like it's just <laughs> hit them <laughs> battling with like thumbtacks and there's a table that's on fire and like they're genuinely just beating the shit out of each other and it's like, yeah, this is badass. If every match was like this, I get it. Sadly, 
as proven by this series, every match is not quite like this. Um, I enjoyed this might be my and it's also short. Like it might be my favorite match you've chosen this entire series. Um, Thank you. I loved I really loved it. Not going to lie. I would give it if like you could letterbox these. I'd give this like a 4.5. And mm-hmm. Edge was fucking hot in this is all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's fun. I don't get like, you know, as a wrap up to the series, I still don't get wrestling and I find wrestling very boring. However, I'm happy for the people that like it. Like, it's not like <laughs> one of those things like golf where I'm like, how do you like that? You fucking moron. How do you enjoy watching golf, father? Um, this is like, oh, no, I get it. I get it. Like, it's 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 camp in a weird way. But like in the same way, I don't like, you know, uh, watch UFC or boxing or anything like it's not it's not for me, but I, I get yeah. it. I think I like it more than you do. But I think like it really comes down to like when wrestling is good, I think it's really good when it's not really good. It sucks. It is like like the Cena match we watched like that was like I would never watch it again. But like this match, the latter, like anything Shawn Michaels was like when it's captivating, I get it. It's great. But when it's not that it falls so far so quickly, I think. And that's the hard thing to do because I don't like watching boxing or UFC or, or mixed martial arts, whatever the fuck that is called. Um, mixed because martial there's just arts. No, yeah, I just stumbled over my words. Mixed martial arts. I don't like those because there's just no story. And I feel like what I enjoy in wrestling matches is like the story because you can see throughout this hardcore match the like levels that come with it. Like it starts off with Edge spearing McFoley and he has the barbed wire wrapped around his stomach. And then he like flips Edge and Lita out of the ring. And then there's the the cookie sheet and the thumbtacks um and the barbed wire bat. And it just like it just keeps going and going and going until it like crescendos into the flaming table. And it's just so good. And also the thing that I admire the most about wrestling is how much like those men and women, I guess, put their like bodies on the line just for like our entertainment. And I feel like this hardcore match is one of the like best visual examples of it because of how like gory and bloody it is. And I just love that after Edge pins McFoley, how he's like walking up the ramp and Lita is pulling thumbtacks out of his back and he just turns around and the blood is dripping down his face and I'm like that is what I fucking love about wrestling it's so good and I'm glad we ended on this and I'm glad that you guys at least liked this one I finally I've I succeeded I think with this series um because I wasn't trying to get you guys to like wrestling I just wanted you guys to appreciate it and I think I succeeded so there we go our road to WrestleMania is done another series in the can I think we might have a short one coming up, but I don't know when our next longer one's going to be, but I'm sure we'll find something. Um, With that said, why don't we go into our recommendations for the week? And I will start because I enjoyed Tragedy of Macbeth, but I wanted to see another on-screen adaptation of the play um, specifically before I go see the play um, this summer. I'm going to go. So I watched Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, and I really liked it. I think this is a lot more strong than Tragedy of Macbeth, if I'm being honest. It makes some shortcuts to get down to an only 100-minute runtime. I think it's like 108. 
Uh, but I think what they cut and how they structured it was so much more effective than the Coen brothers. No offense to anyone who loves that. I think, Paul, you love that. but um, I do. And also, it's just one Coen. The well, better Cohen. Yeah, the one Cohen. Also, there's no <laughs> Francis McDormand, so I guess that also helps this film. Um, but taking like the production design and the visuals were so good in this film. I don't like a lot of Kurosawa stuff. I think he's massively overrated in most aspects. Um, but this is definitely one of his better efforts. So I'd recommend anyone looking for like a good version of this who wants to also see kind of this new lens, considering it's all samurai. Um, I would highly recommend it. Alina, what's your recommendation this week? I watched a lot this week, and the thing that stuck out to me the most was a documentary called For Sama. I know it got a big Oscars push in, like, 2019, so I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but I hadn't until this week, and I just watched it on a whim, and it is so fucking sad because it's about a, like, mother during the Syrian uprising and Syrian civil war, and it's, like, the narration is her, like, talking to her daughter And it's about, like, her and her husband and her family trying to decide whether they should, like, leave Syria and, like, become refugees or whether they should stay because, like, her husband's a doctor. And so, like, they can stay and, like, help all the people that are getting, like, hurt in this war. And it is just so captivating. And it brings you right into what is happening. And I'm shocked that this lost the Oscar. But you know what? Whatever. What does the Academy know? But I thought it was really, really good. It's fantastic. It's on Prime. In Canada. A fucking amazing Mm -hmm. film. I think that was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite films of that year. Not just documentary, but like overall, it was definitely my top five, I think, even. Paul, what's your recommendation? So my recommendation is going to be, uh, I think a lot of people have started watching it, but um, Abbott Elementary is on, um, I watch it on Hulu. I don't know what channel it's on. But, um, it's really cute. Um, it's on ABC. It's like, it's the closest to uh, Parks and Rec and The Office and those kind of like old like sitcoms. Um, it's just really cute and I really enjoy it. And I think all the characters are really great. Um, and one of the funniest parts about it is that um, Chessie from fucking uh, The Parent Trap is in it. And like to see her and be like, oh, there you are. Hi. How you been doing? Um, is really fun. So yeah, I definitely check out Abbott Elementary. I know we usually do movies, but like also TV does exist. You literally had like a five month period where you recommended YouTube videos. I think you're good doing a TV show. I still feel like recommending YouTube videos. You literally recommended going to court. Like, I think you're okay. (laughs) I recommend wrestling matches. I almost did it today, and I was like, I'll give the guys a break. Wait, you (laughs) recommend wrestling matches? What? Well, thank you so much for listening. Let's find where everyone can find us on social media. Paul, where can we find you if for some reason we wanted to listen to you more? At PriceLikeTag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. I love you, Paul. I'm sorry for making fun of you. Alina, where can we find you? I am at Alina Falds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And please follow me on Letterboxd. I'm really close to 600 on there. Thank you. And you can follow me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd, Carson, Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to our Patreon. We just posted a full feature commentary track for Sonic the Hedgehog. We get ex- exclusive reviews. A lot of stuff going on that is very fun. And you can subscribe for as low as $1 a month. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Clapper Podcast. 
email us at clappercast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.